welcome to the show. Get back to rock and bang. <laughs> Hey podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Buddy, it's Thursday morning. That means it's time for another Lifestyle Business Podcast, the hashtag LBP. Today, I'm joined by my captain, my co-hostess with the mostest, a man who brushes his teeth with bubble water. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Sam Pellegrino. If you guys stick around to the end of the show, we're going to talk about seven different types of entrepreneurs, what you might be, and ways you can inventory your strengths and weaknesses based on your categorization. Yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. We've come up with a couple different types of entrepreneurs that we've identified out in the world. Yep. One of them is called the Ian, and I'll get to that pretty soon. First, we got an email from Andreas. He said, Dan, what's up with the Kiva promotion? That's right, Andreas. Thanks for reminding us that we do have a Kiva group at slash lifestyle entrepreneurs. Checked it out today. Found that we have deployed $5,000 in the name of entrepreneurship in the developing world. Thanks for all your support for joining our Kiva team. Ian and I have some funds in our account that have been paid back. If you don't know how Kiva works, you give micro loans to developing world entrepreneurs. Like we're investing primarily in the Philippines, fishermen, local stores, seamstresses, stuff like that. These loans get deployed and get paid back and then you can give them to new entrepreneurs. Pretty cool. Yeah, so we're gonna redeploy that money, isn't that right? That's right. So check it out at kiva.org slash team slash lifestyle entrepreneurs or just search for lifestyle entrepreneurs on Kiva. David from Greenback Tax Services, he's our buddy, wrote us an email to say, after listening to the LBP secret sauce traffic piggybacking technique, heard only a few episodes ago, he wrote an article inspired by that technique about renouncing your U.S. citizenship. Very hot topic in the blogosphere. That's right. Got featured on time.com. Is that a good backlink? Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good backlink. It's okay. It's a 7 out of 10. Yeah. So basically what David did was he took a topic that was interesting and blowing up online. Uh, He wrote his own little spin on the idea of uh, renouncing your citizenship, and it got picked up on Time Magazine. That's right. You know, all the hard work's been done for you on Reddit. Just go there, see what people are talking about. And by the way, David writes a blog about taxes. Can you think of a more interesting man writing on a more boring topic? No. No, I can't. The dichotomy is amazing. Clay wrote us an email and he said, hey guys, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now and I'd love to go to a place like Bali or Vietnam, but he's got a problem. He's got a business based on himself. It's a service business called centerstageentertainmentmarketing.com. He's got a web subscription side, but the primary thrust of Clay's business is based on him. His clients love him. Gotta talk to Clay, man. Where's Clay? How can Clay go to Vietnam, go to Panama, go to Buenos Aires, all these amazing places, what can Clay do? All right, Clay, so here is the deal. You are running a business, and the good news about a successful business like yours is it probably doesn't need you to run. If, if your business needs you to run, then it's a job. That's just a job. So uh, what you've got on your hands, Clay, is a business because I don't see your name in the domain. I don't see your name in uh, your company's name. 
So what you need to do is you need to work yourself slowly but surely out of that business. I'm sure over the years you've built yourself a nice little team that can run this business and you can consult with them on how to run that business. So uh, I think you can work yourself out of this, Clay. Well, here's the thing. I remember back in the day when we thought Ian was like the absolute linchpin, the most important being that ever happened. Like Ian was like Thor in our business. If he were to leave the office, customers would weep. Nobody would call. The bank accounts would run dry. And it turns out we were all wrong about that. So That's this correct. is moving to a place like Vietnam Clay is actually a great opportunity to test your assumptions about how much your clients need you. There is a structure to the way that you interact with people that they love that can be replicated by somebody else. That's possible. You need to pull that out and try to develop a culture that sort of emanates those values. But here's another thing about going abroad. Even if you test it out for a few weeks or a few months, Clay, it gives you an opportunity to sort of get away from everything. Look back at what is it that your clients love about interacting with you and try to build that, bake that into a product. You're going to have plenty of time. You're going to have inspiring scenery and new people to sit down and build a product that embodies those things that your customers love about your consulting services. Yeah, and Clay, if you don't want to stick around the business, or I shouldn't say stick around the business, but if you want to travel and things like that, and you've already, that seed's already been planted in your head, you know what you're up to right now probably isn't sustainable uh, sticking around uh, wherever you are. So just know that uh, you're already on the path, man. You've already put the idea in your head that seed's been planted. Oh, yeah. You're out of there. Oh, so yeah. figure out ways to make it work. Car's driving off the cliff already, Clay. But here's a couple things you can do. Time zones do count. So start by traveling in South America or something like that. Canada, a mysterious land up north. Yeah. There are places, I mean, time zones do count, something to consider. Also, double down on your phone service. Make sure you go to a place where you're pre-testing that Wi-Fi. Get on the hot Skype. Maybe hook up a notvoip.com account, something like that. Make sure you've got that phone service. It's guys like you that keep guys like us motivated. Next topic. Today, we're going to talk about the meat and potatoes. There are seven types of entrepreneurs that we have determined, all with their unique strengths and weaknesses. And today, we're going to lay out the rubrics so that you might consider who your friends are, who you are, who you might need to get together in a team. Because sometimes these, these people will have complementary skill sets. So let's just go over. These are some of the, based on some big-time personalities that we know in our lives. And we thought it would be a fun little thing to do on yeah. the show. All right. Category number one, the dominator. Ooh. Everybody knows, everybody knows a couple dominators in their life. Yeah. This is like the ultimate alpha personality. Let's talk about the strengths of the dominator. Uh, I think a dominator has uh, an, an immense ability uh, for short and medium term productivity boosts. Uh, this person is intense a lot of times. Yeah, that's right. Uh, often they're exceptional at quality control and project management. This is the person that's like a Rottweiler. Like they get a hold of a product, project and they just jam, like jam, 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 jam on I'm, the iPhone, pushing it along. You're getting a lot of scent from my iPhones from the, from the Dominator. I want this dude on my production run in China on the QC line. Let me back that up. You're getting a lot of scent from my Blackberry, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the weakness is the Dominator's overbearing can often build weak teams because they've built a life, they've built wealth and builds business off of their incredible ability for productivity. Micromanagers, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, these aren't necessarily the happiest guys that I've met. They lack long-term vision for their companies a lot of times. That's right. They, they like to, dominators like to look down and to dominate rather than to look forward. So, you know, who's the prototype dominator? The restaurant owner? The guy who owns a car dealership? Somebody 
who is squeezing profit out of a known quantity. Yeah, a lot of times like zero-sum market guys, you've got a set number of things that uh, are gonna sell in a market and you have to squeeze the most amount of value out of that. Next group is the poker player. We know a lot of these guys, a lot of, a lot of the guys in our friendship circle and, and myself included, start, the first entrepreneurial thing they ever did was play the game of poker. Yeah. The strengths of the poker player is that they're extraordinarily clever at finding footholds in lucrative markets, like clever hacks. Poker players are really good at gaming the system, taking shortcuts and making money. A lot of times these guys are gaming systems that are already in place or games that are already in place. That's right, and that leads us to the weaknesses, which is that they're poorly equipped to build businesses with lasting value because they're piggybacking stuff that's already existent, and they're always relying on their cunning attitude to make a win. So maybe your prototypical poker player would be like the affiliate marketer. Correct. Next group, the hustler. Strengths. Everybody knows a hustler. Everybody's got oh, yeah. a little bit of hustler in them. Ian and I both got a little bit of, a little bit of hustler. The strengths is they got a great nose for money. Yeah, I think this list. Uh, I think you know a lot of people are a, a whole bunch of different combinations of this list. And uh, I see like a hustler. Hustler is one of the more dominant traits that I see in most all entrepreneurs. Uh, most all entrepreneurs I see they've got a little bit of hustler in them. Yeah, and and the hustler also shares something with a dominator, which is they're fearless. You know, I'll sell anything to anybody. I will cold call anybody, anytime. You know, who's the most pissed off to receive a cold call? <laughs> like a middle-aged working guy in Idaho. I'm gonna call that guy after he gets off work while he's sitting at the dinner table with his kids and I'm gonna sell him life insurance. Or knives. <laughs> <laughs> the next category is the wanderer. Everybody knows a few wanderers in his life, in their yeah. lives. This is the dreamer, right? The Dream guy that's dreams. looking out the window in science class thinking about other things besides science. The wonder is not constrained by social norms, by mores, by necessarily market demands. <laughs> this is the guy that's dancing around the fire at Burning Man. They aren't willing to prostitute their time. They are curious, they are learning, they are driven by intellectual stimulation, etc. So some of the weaknesses of the uh, wanderer, uh, I think sticking to ideas, uh, long-term relationships sometimes. Maybe, maybe LTRs, having a couple problems with the LTRs, sticking to the ideas, maybe started six, five or six blogs in the last two years. Right. This is the wanderer, but because they are fearless to wander and to seek out new extreme experiences, they find themselves in entrepreneurial situations, and that's why you're on this list and listening to this podcast, Dear Wanderers. Next group is the builders and the craftsmen. These are your entrepreneurial friends who are focused and productive on singular crafts. Yeah. They love to bake cookies, man. Just putting those cookies out, doing it for year after year after year, passionate about, about yeast and dough or whatever goes into cookies, chocolate chips. Ian loves the chocolate chips. Oh, yeah, I love the chocolate chips. And this guy is a, is a true artisan. I mean, he's somebody that... I mean, nobody makes a better chair than this guy. And because he makes a really good chair, he's found himself in business. And what often happens with the craftsmen is that they become super innovative because they put their 10,000 hours in, man. They're jamming on one idea. And all of a sudden, it's like you went from just a dude who makes kitchen cabinets to some dude who, you know, Hollywood stars will pay tons of money to have this amazing mahogany install or whatever it's going to be. Correct. But there's a lot of weaknesses with the builders. And if you see yourself as a builder, you got to watch out for this stuff. In particular, you can be awful with staff, you can, because here, you know, I have a little bit of builder in me and I can be bad with my staff because I want time to build. Right. 
And yeah, so, it's a creative. It's you're interested in the creative part of the process. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that come outside of that, like your staff, uh, the finances. Uh, you know, growing the business, things like that. Yeah, be, being being good at scale. You know, I think builders and craftsmen have a lot of trouble at scale. I mean, it's the classic e-myth, you know, working in your business rather than working on your business kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of examples, a lot of famous bloggers, I would say. You know, if you look at a guy like Chris Gillibo's business, he has an intentionally not brought on staff, and I haven't spoken to him personally, but I'm assuming he wants to preserve his time to build his, his craft. Yeah. And his business is built on his amazing writing. Right. And so if he had a bunch of staff and spreadsheets and all this kind of crap, you know, maybe he wouldn't be able to focus on that writing, which is what's driving, you know, his passion. Yeah. Boom. Next group, technical savant. This is not Ian or myself. <laughs> this guy's a, a little bit like the builder craftsman. A little bit like the builder I mean, craftsman. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's interested in building something, but he's a very technical guy. But there's a different category because the things that they sort of innocently create can tend to be hugely valuable. So if you're at the edge of any sort of, I mean, part of what we're doing with lifestyle businesses is we're building businesses in sort of more known quantities. So our businesses tend to be less profitable. Like, you know, me, you and me, Ian, we might be pulling off like 30% net profits at the end of the year, and that's pretty baller, right? right? But that's not like these tech guys that are putting up a web app and then making a couple mil. Yeah, like uh, Mark Zuckerberger, he would be an example, I think. Zuckerberger? Of Zucks. Zucks. <laughs> the Zuckerberger. Yes. The Zuckerbergers. <laughs> Straight out of He's, Germany. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark Zucks, if you're listening. Sorry yeah, about that. I'm hey, sure he sorry, is. Mark. I'll call you. I'll call so you he's a technical this. savant, I'd say. Yeah. The guy that was really focused on, on, on the technical side of it in the, in the process of building. And the key here is positioning yourself structurally at the edge of, of technological possibility. And because of that, the things that you create are innately hugely valuable. But again, the problems, you know, the technical savant can often not be very business focused. They might not even understand the impact of what they're creating. This is very common. They might be awful at scale and often they can be over attached or emotional about their idea. You see a lot of these like great ideas or this, this great execution on a, on a very technical product and nobody knows how to market it. Right. So uh, a lot of times they're not good marketers. And our final category, the one everybody wants to be in and the one I would put solidly, the man to my left in. Oh, wow. The visionary. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, a, that's big, big, big shoes to fill right there. I don't know if I'm... That's because everybody that. thinks visionary. They think of Steve Jobs, who you should read his biography, by the way. He is the prototypical visionary. He sees broader market opportunities in the daily details of life. This is the classic story of Richard Branson walking through the freaking airplane with his notepad open, just noting down, this stainless steel radius needs to be changed. You know, stewardess needs to wear, you know, change sock length, one inch. Yeah. A lot of what I think the visionary does is uh, they can kind of see how the future is going to be or how they want the future to be. And then they can just take little components of things that are happening right now and pull them together into building a business or how they see the future, things like that. And often visionaries tend to be great leaders because they're defining something that's new for people. So that gives people something to latch on to. That's part of being a great leader. A lot of downsides. Steve Jobs heard he was kind of a dick. Yeah. Visionaries can be bad managers. You know, they can be pumped up about their vision. Anybody that's not on board with that, you know, you got to cultivate people to bring them into your culture. Oftentimes, a visionary, again, is emotionally attached to these ideas, can't get off it. You know, that can be a problem with the visionary. 
And yeah, you can just be a jerk. I mean, we see this every day in, in Ian's behavior around the office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, wait, we got one more category. This guy's called Johnny Arbitrage. He's our final entrepreneur type. He's the guy that by a structural inequity of wealth automatically becomes an entrepreneur. You can do this. This is the big fish, small pond opportunity, right? Yeah. You got a couple ducats in the bank account and you show up to a tropical island like here in the Philippines. Let's say you were working all your life. You see this guy all over the place here in the Philippines. I love this guy in the Philippines. He's, He's my favorite. He's selling ice cream and he's like 55 years old and he just showed up to the Philippines and he's got a couple hundred grand in the bank. Yeah, he's balling. Yeah. And it's like he's, a, he's, a, he's an entrepreneur by default because of the arbitrage opportunity. And hey, this is all about strategically positioning yourself. If you're not super smart dudes, just like Ian and myself, you gotta have a little bit of strategic positioning if you wanna do things that are valuable. Um, of course, the weaknesses of being Johnny Arbitrage is that you are gonna get screwed real hard uh, out the gate, and so you have to be wary because you've been built, often Johnny Arbitrage has been building a non-entrepreneurial skill set, and then all of a sudden, boom, entrepreneur. Right. The strength of being Johnny Arbitrage is clear to me though is that this is something I think we can, we can all learn something from Johnny, which is you want to find ways to be in over your head. You want to find ways to get reps. You know, if you're young, trying to get an upstart in your career, you want to go work for a small company that allows you reps, not to go work for some stupid corporation that's going to make you pay your dues for 15 years. Yeah, Johnny Arbitrage in, uh, in the Philippines is one of my favorite guys, not because it's easy to bag on him, but because he started like six businesses here in the Philippines in the four years that he's been here. And usually he does find one before he runs out of money uh, that hits, but it's cool. You know, we know a guy down the street, he's like starting an ice cream thing. He's done go-karts. <laughs> he's done all kinds of stuff. You know, and it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, well, Johnny, this one's to you, brother. Well, let's get moving on to our newest section, Just the Tips. <laughs> I can't handle this. <laughs> we so. should get the Tom Likas sound effect, dude. We should actually put it on the show. Yeah. That's about the only part of Tom Likas I, I enjoy is his <laughs> laugh. All right, so before I uh, left here for the Philippines, uh, I had to get a new backpack, mm -hmm. and I had the Big Shot, which was a North Face backpack. The problem with the Big Shot, it was, uh, I, I, geez, it was probably 10 years old, held up really well, but it didn't have a lot of compartments. Uh, it had like two... Uh, front zipper pockets and then just one big section in the middle and that doesn't really work when you're traveling because uh, <laughs> you've got all kinds of different documents phones uh, cables all this different stuff that you got to keep Drugs. organized well not not in Asia <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so I got myself the Surge 2. Now you have the Surge 1. This yeah. is the updated version, yeah. the Surge 2. Highly recommend it. It's one of the, it is the biggest um, backpack that North Face sells in kind of the small uh, section of backpacks. I think it's 32 liters. It's $125, so it's on the upper range. But really, uh, I highly recommend this backpack. I started looking around, a lot of other people, a lot of other travelers have it. I think everybody kind of came to the same conclusion. This is the backpack to have it's if you're going to be It's the backpack, man. You walk around Tropical MBA, a lot of surges in the room. The top level digital nomad setup is the day pack and the robust business bag. No hipster flops. We're talking about straight top loading. Get into that business bag. Yeah, there's no room for toms in the surge too. I mean, <laughs> technically there's room, but not really. <laughs> All right, guys, today we're gonna play you out with some pretty lights. It's the remix of the New York State of Mind featuring Ian's favorite rapper, Biggie Smalls. I think you can relate to Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls is the illest. All right, we'll see you guys next Thursday morning. Thank you for joining us on the LBP. Booyah!
Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. Now I'm in the limelight cause I rhyme tight Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade Born thinner, the opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to Ron G, Brucey B, Kid Capri Funk, Master Flex, Love, Fun, Star, Ski I'm blowing up like you thought I would Call a crib, same number, same hood It's all good that we have deployed $5,000 in the name of entrepreneurship in the developing world.